This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Earthwise, environment and peace with justice interviews on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to Earthwise. I'm Lois Griffiths. For today's program, Martin and I will be talking with Christchurch resident Rob Green. Rob is a retired commander in the British Royal Navy, and for many years now he's been writing and speaking about the risks, the danger of relying on nuclear weapons for security. Well, Rob and his wife, Kate Dews, recently retired as co-directors of the Disarmament and Security Centre they were participants in the 2017 UN conference in New York that wrote the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, sometimes called the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. Welcome to Earthwise, Rob Green. Thank you. Well, Rob, ever since February of last year, mainstream media has been repeating the same theme about the fighting in Ukraine. Russia's attack was unprovoked. Putin is evil, so evil that diplomacy and negotiations are impossible. The West should keep providing more and more weapons to Ukraine, and if you raise any questions, you're dismissed as being pro-Putin. But Rob, you recommended us that we read an essay by Bertrand Russell, Has Man a Future, that was first published in 1961. It seemed to be approaching the Cuban Missile Crisis, but that was 60 years ago. Is what Bertrand Russell wrote back then relevant to today? Absolutely. I'm afraid, you know, Bertrand Russell was um, a visionary. Um, he was also a brilliant scientist and a mathematician, and he understood the dangers that were um, involved in the uh, Cold War at the time. And, of course, uh, he was proved right because, um, despite his warning, um, within a year from um, publishing that essay, um, the Cuban Missile Crisis erupted mm. and came very near to the use of nuclear weapons and World War III. So, um, and it was only by luck and uh, the fact that, in fact, the um, uh, J.F. Kennedy was the president of the United States and was wise enough to realize that um, it was so dangerous and, and to pull back. Um, and there were secret negotiations uh, to uh, offer a quid pro quo to Khrushchev, who was the Soviet um, leader at the time, in order to mutually withdraw um, American Jupiter missiles from Turkey in exchange for uh, Soviet missiles being withdrawn from Cuba. Um, and so, um, but of course, um, that enraged the right-wingers in the United States. And in my view, and I think there's quite a lot of circumstantial evidence that led to um, Kennedy's assassination. One of the things I read the essay, as you recommended, one thing that impressed me, he said the two sides have got to realize the danger if there should ever be a confrontation. And they should talk to each other and try to understand each other's cultural background and, the, and their own point of view, just to try to get some understanding between them. Yes, and um, one of the big um, 
legacies of Bertrand Russell was his manifesto in 1955, which was earlier when he actually joined with Albert Einstein um, in order to promote an alternative vision of a coexistence between the West and the East, because they realized the dangers ahead. And out of that came the um, visionary pugwash movement, which was a, a meeting of uh, Western and Soviet scientists, um, and that is still flourishing. Uh, they met in Pugwash in Nova Scotia, in Canada, and uh, they agreed to talk to each other across the divide. And um, there is, that is still alive, but of course is um, uh, swamped by the uh, Western US-led uh, propaganda blitz uh, about the need for opposing Putin militarily. He even recommended that um, Britain withdraw from NATO and become non-aligned. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid not much chance of that, um, but uh, it was worth a try. Now, you, I think the only point we're trying to make across is that relying on mainstream media as your only source of information isn't reliable if you want to understand today's world. Because he also recommended that we, we listen to a... a a recent video of Jeffrey Sachs, I think very, this last month, and he had something to say. Yes, um, Jeffrey Sachs is a wonderful uh, man, and he's American, uh, which gives me hope. Um, just to give you a bit of background about him, he's a university professor and director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, wow. where he directed the Earth Institute uh, until 2016. He's also director of the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network. And um, you can find his writings under jeffreysachs.org. And he's a very wise commentator, very brave. And um, he recently published an article um, in, in which he's, he basically called it what Ukraine needs to learn from Afghanistan about proxy wars. Oh, proxy wars. So that's, it, what is a proxy war? Well, it's a war where um, a country is caught, a small country is caught between the two great powers. Um, and um, you, you could argue that Cuba was, was an example back in 1962. Um, and Ukraine certainly is an example now where it's a small country which has um, long been in the sphere of influence of Russia. In fact, since 1783, um, it, it is right up against the southern border um, of Russia and it provides the uh, route to the only warm water outlet for um, the Russian Navy in the Black Sea. And that's at Sevastopol in Crimea. And, of course, we you probably can remember that a war was fought over Crimea back in Victorian era. And that was when the British were the great imperialists. One of the things that um, Jeffrey Sachs said on the YouTube that struck me, particularly as we've just been talking about Bertrand Russell, talking about the two sides must talk to each other. He said, they're not even talking to each other. That's worse than five-year-olds playing in a playground. They're not even talking to each other. Yes, well, of course, this is quite deliberate, um, and it is interesting um, that, um, in fact, Jeffrey Sachs has highlighted the lessons that should have been learned from Afghanistan. Um, 
basically, um, that was another proxy war. Um, and the whole idea um, of um, Afghanistan and invading Afghanistan, well, first of all, was that um, uh, basically back in 1979, the United States armed the Mujahideen, Islamist fighters, uh, to harass the Soviet-backed government in Afghanistan. And, and basically, uh, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor, Brzezinski, uh, admitted later the U.S. objective was to provoke the Soviet Union to intervene in order to trap the Soviet Union in a costly war. And the fact that Afghanistan would be collateral damage was of no concern to U.S. leaders. And that, in fact, did happen. But then you had blowback because, basically, the U.S.-backed fighters um, established al-Qaeda in the 1980s and the Taliban in the 1990s. So the U.S. trick on the Soviet Union boomeranged. That's what blowback means, doesn't it? It, it does indeed. In 2001, the United States invaded Afghanistan to fight al-Qaeda and the Taliban. But, of course, this is all good grist for the mill for the ever-expanding military-industrial complex, which is all about producing arms in order to make huge profit with nuclear arms as being the top of the range. Uh, but basically, of course, um, Afghanistan now, now lies in ruins. Uh, the U.S. wasted more than $2 trillion on it. Afghanistan is impoverished. Um, as a parting gift, the United States government seized Afghanistan's tiny foreign exchange holdings, paralyzing their banking system. And now we switch to Ukraine, the latest example, where the proxy war began nine years ago. Can we just spell it out? You say proxy war. Is this really a war between U.S. and Russia? Correct. Um, and using uh, pawns. And, and Ukraine is the pawn at the moment. And basically what happened was, uh, 90, so nine years ago, uh, 2014, the U.S. government backed the overthrow of Ukraine's President Viktor Yanukovych. And Yanukovych's sin, from the U.S. viewpoint, was his attempt to maintain Ukraine's neutrality, despite the American desire to expand NATO to include Ukraine. That was the cardinal sin, wasn't it? Absolutely. America's objective was for NATO countries to encircle Russia in the Black Sea region. Yes, we, yep. Well, mainstream media tells us the war began last year in February. No, no, they have no sense of history. They don't want that to be remembered. It's it, but Jeffrey Sachs puts it back to 1990. Why does he choose 1990? Well, that was the end of the Cold War uh, when the Berlin Wall came down in 1989, and there was a huge prospect of real peace breaking out. That's when the Warsaw Pact was dissolved, wasn't yes. the Eastern Pact. And, and, of course, this was the time when Gorbachev was in power, and he um, actually was a very uh, far-sighted, visionary, peace-loving leader who um, did much to um, uh, basically open up the Soviet Union and to dismantle the, the Russian or the Soviet Empire um, and, of course, uh, President Reagan was caught up in that. And there was a famous meeting between Gorbachev and Reagan in Reykjavik in Iceland. And they came very close at that point to um, ab abolishing nuclear weapons. But then Reagan went back and was uh, told uh, to rubbish that because the military-industrial complex didn't want to know. 
So the, the in fact, the industrial park, you mean the companies like Raytheon and... Oh, oh yes. They're extremely oh, yes. powerful politically, but aren't they? They are. It was too powerful for Reagan. And, of course, he was a right-winger, and um, he had to watch his back. You're listening to Earthwise, broadcasting in Christchurch on Plains FM 96.9, in Hamilton on Free FM, and in Waikanae on Coast Access Radio. Today's guest is Robert Green, retired commander from the British Royal Navy, who for many years has been writing and speaking about the risks and the dangers of relying on nuclear weapons for security and deterrence. Well, Rob, I think the main point we're trying to accomplish in this century, we can't say everything, but to whet people's appetite, to find out more themselves, and there are other, other sources of information. We've mentioned, we've mentioned Bertrand Russell, we've mentioned Jeffrey Sachs, but now we need to discuss an extremely serious incident exposed by a highly acclaimed journalist, Seymour Hirsch, but not reported in mainstream media. So can you explain, what is this Nord Stream 2? What is that about? Well, Nord Stream 2 is the second of two pipelines um, carrying Russian gas from um, Russia in the Baltic around St. Petersburg uh, through the Baltic sea and down to um, bring it ashore in northern Germany uh, in order to provide Germany and the whole of Europe with cheap Russian um, natural gas. And basically, um, this was opposed by the Americans um, because they rightly thought that um, this would uh, help to make Europe more independent from the United States mm -hmm. and, um, and, the, and also would weaken Germany's resolve to be part of NATO. And so um, the Americans have, have long um, opposed it and they've been struggling to find ways to, um, uh, to take it, to, to neutralize and, and stop this flow. Uh, and in fact, I think the expression is they, um, they accused Putin of weaponizing his gas supply. But I think what they really wanted was to have a cheap market to themselves. Absolutely. We're, all, we're, we're involved here again in that uh, this is um, huge uh, bucks. This is um, a long, there's a long history here of the United States resenting uh, European economic strength. They're in competition. And, um, and, and of course, Russia is a huge market. Um, and is also very rich in gas and oil. Um, and this is where, um, you know, this uh, particularly fossil fuels are such in, in such demand at the moment. But what happened was this huge underwater pipeline was blown up, wasn't it? This is an outrageous story. It should be headlines. It should be discussed and worried about. Yes. Um, it, it basically... Um, it is something that came to a head, I think, uh, around the time that um, Putin was provoked into um, invading um, Ukraine. Um, and so uh, we have the Ukraine war going on at the moment. And as you say, Putin is um, basically vilified and, um, and basically presented as an, uh, as an unprovoked aggressor, when in fact the history is much more complicated, and it, this is a much um, misreported war. 
And of course, making the link with climate change, most people talk about natural gas as something very nice and uh, harmless. But if it's not burnt, it is in fact almost entirely methane and links this latest terrorism with climate damage as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that, Martin, because um, as a scientist, I'm glad you can provide that information. Um, and that is extremely important. Of course, we know we have um, coming up this Friday, the next climate strike by um, Extinction Rebellion, um, and the admiral, admirable young generation who have had enough of all this, and uh, we wish them well. But I wish, wish they'd have some anti-war demonstrations. Well, there have been some going on in other parts of the world. Anti-NATO demonstrations, I think. But back to this pipeline, I've seen photographs of it. It's released a huge amount of methane, hasn't it? Well, yes. Well, what, what basically happened were um, was that um, this goes right back um, over 20 years. Uh, and, and basically, it was the time when uh, there were two big, big pipelines built. First, Nord Stream 1. Um, and that uh, was built um, back in the early, uh, the late 1990s into the early 2000s. And from the earliest days, it was seen by Washington and its anti-Russian NATO partners as a threat to Western dominance. And the problem was that it was basically run by a publicly traded Russian company called Gazprom, which produced enormous profit, profits for Russia. And uh, Gazprom controlled 51% of, of the company. And this was um, anathema to America um, because um, it would diminish European reliance on America. And so um, basically, they, they realized that this was a, a, a serious economic threat. And they looked the way to, to ways to actually neutralize it. And, um, and they wanted, in fact, the right-wing um, Republicans led by Ted Cruz of Texas. He actually told uh, Blinken, who I think is the Secretary of State, um, they wanted to halt that pipeline in its tracks. And so this was where Biden um, came under pressure to, um, a bit to, to try to do something more um, radical about it. And... Um, and they basically uh, were floundering, trying to, especially after the fall of Afghanistan. It was all very embarrassing. And and what they in December of 2021, two months before the first Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, Jake Sullivan, uh, who is another key man uh, working for Biden in security department, um, they convened a meeting and asked for recommendations about how to respond to Putin's invasion. And, and so uh, they went through all the options and they said that one the things that became clear was that, um, that they needed to come up with a plan to destroy the two Nord Stream pipelines. And they were going to try and use a, a newly commissioned submarine. Um, but, and the Air Force discussed dropping bombs, would you believe, with delayed fuses. But, and they realized this was an act of war. And so CIA then were put to work crafting a plan for a covert operation that would use deep sea divers to trigger an explosion along the pipeline, but they needed to um, actually place the explosives um, alongside the pipes well before with a timing device so that it could be activated from the air by a surveillance aircraft. And this is what happened. And so you had this huge explosion 
and they blamed it on Russia. Oh, yes. Uh, but, of course, it was a nonsense because this was Russian gas going to Germany. Why on earth would Putin blow up his own pipeline? Quite. So, so it was complete... Anyone can see that. So it was complete nonsense. And so the, the poor Western propaganda machine was reduced to just, say, scratching their heads and saying, this is an extraordinary mystery. I don't think this story's going to die out, although they tried to suppress it. And Jeffrey Sachs called it terrorism, didn't he? Very much so. And, of course, the sadness was that the only way they could actually get this done was to use Norway. And Norway uh, has, has got a long history, of course, of very experienced engineers and divers associated with extracting oil from the North Sea. And uh, they also have come under huge pressure for years from the Americans to provide base facilities and to operate closely because they're right up against uh, the Russians up in the uh, northern part of Norway, where it joins actually with the Russian border and a key northern sea, northern fleet, Russian northern fleet base in Mamansk. I've read too that a you mentioned it was a good profit for Russia being able to sell the gas, but it was a good economic prospect for Germany as well, wasn't it? Yes. And so this was, again, considered that they couldn't let this go on. And so basically, to cut a long story short, um, they did the job. Um, and uh, this is uh, basically the beginning of um, 2022. And then September the 26th, Last year, a Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane made a seemingly routine, routine flight and dropped a sonar buoy, and that sonar buoy actually triggered a detonation. And, um, and, and basically... Uh, we've had this major act of sabotage. should be the headlines in our newspapers. Uh, yeah. And uh, it is terrorism. It's an act of war. A war of whom against who? Or is that yep. good English? Yep. And, and, who against whom would be better? And there was a hardliner in the Biden administration, a woman called Victoria Newland, oh. who, who has long been prominent in uh, promoting Ukraine. And basically, uh, uh, she said at the end, um, I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Well, this is, this is a story that we've, we've got to hear from our mainstream media. Um, I'm afraid we're running out of time. It's wonderful to be able to talk to you. What, what's the next step for us in the public who care? Well, I, I think probably, um, you know, you're doing a good job, uh, Lois, in, in, actually, in, in promoting this alternative story. Um, and um, you can spread the word um, by suggesting that your listeners um, just look up about how Hirsch um, wrote about the Americans taking out Nord Stream. You can, you can go online and you can find the full story. And also you can see um, about the problems um, for the Americans um, about the whole problem of, of Ukraine and the fact that they refuse to um, allow peace negotiations. But ultimately, peace has got to uh, happen. There have got to be negotiations. There have got to be some compromise. And the only way ahead that, America, that Russia will accept is Ukraine must be neutral. Now, my personal opinion, I, I would like New Zealand to be non-aligned. But I think, do you think they would be more effective if they were? Well, I think they claim to um, be a little bit um, non-aligned, but of course they're under the Five Eyes um, Intelligence Agreement run by the Americans, 
And so um, any politician's hands are tied in this country. Um, but we do our best. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. It's, it's um, wonderful to talk to you. Other sources of information, you've written your own book, Security Without Nuclear Deterrence, which is basically the theme, isn't it? If there were no nuclear weapons, the whole world would be more secure. Well, yes. And of course, the Ukraine crisis is extremely dangerous because you've actually got um, Russia feeling um, that they um, are um, being uh, pressed in a red line issue for them, their, their security, their southern flank. And they have nuclear weapons. But of course, any use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine would be a complete nonsense because it would just destroy the battlefield and leave it as a radioactive wasteland. So the whole idea of nuclear weapons even being um, uh, used uh, in any sensible way is complete rubbish. And diplomacy, well, of course, means talking to each other. Yep. And they will have to talk to each other. And I'm sure it'll happen and just hope there aren't too many more poor Ukrainians who are, are dying out in the process. So some understanding of the history behind it. So wonderful. <laughs> I do appreciate this chance to talk to you, Rob. We're going to have to say goodbye now but to our listeners, but I just want to end with a musical message. All we are saying is give peace a chance. So goodbye from Earthwise. Oh.